This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm delighted to be joined by three Liverpool fans here with me today in the Echo Studios. We've got Paul Philbin to my right. Hello. Sean Bradby, right across from me. Hello. And to my left, making her debut on the show is Amelia Bonner. Are you okay, Amelia? Hi, I'm good. I'm happy to, to be making my debut, yeah. Good stuff. Look forward to having you on. We'll start with uh, the fact that you probably all recognise Paul Philbin's voice for any listeners, regular listeners to this show. But what you may not realise is that since the start of the season, he's, he's not had his haircut <laughs> and uh, he has done that on purpose because he's refusing to do so until uh, until Liverpool lose their first Premier League game of the season with 12 matches in now Paul did you ever imagine it it got this long with one hand the hair no not really I've like always wanted an excuse to uh, actually grow my hair a bit but I like the barbers too much so it's been an easy uh, easy cop out really to uh, just nip the barbers when it got to a certain length where is it I've said something and there's money on it. People have started having a sweep in the office on it, so I can't go with the barbers, so I've got no excuse. It's going to be great in May when I look like Jesus. So I can't wait for the end of the season when we're writing content about you looking like um, Cousin It's like a <laughs> So as you say, no haircut yet because 12 games in, nine wins, three draws. Uh, I think it's the equal best Premier League start for Liverpool and only two points behind City. But just a question as we're going into the, the last international break, thankfully, of the, the, the first year, uh, the first half of the season, I should say. Doesn't seem to be as much universal acclaim for Liverpool. There certainly was in the second half of last season, but... You know, at the end of the day, two points behind this fabulous City side. Guys, why do you think that is? Why that's the case? I think Steve Graves summed it up perfectly well when he said there's a chance that we come out top or at least top three at the end of this season and none of us enjoy a single minute of it. I think that a lot of Liverpool fans, including like my mates, would like us to win the Premier League, but not like to watch us play in the kind of football that's involved in actually winning the Premier League um, and being in the top three. And I think that it's not that we like to have a moan because that's not the case. We like to celebrate when we do well. But I think that there's a nervousness around it and a lack of confidence that I think maybe City fans don't have. And if you follow in City, there's that belief that like, yeah, we can easily win the Premier League. We can do this. And I think it's because in fairly recent memory, we got close and it hurt when we didn't quite get there. And I think maybe after the Champions League, when we really believed that it was going to happen and then kind of at the last it didn't come off. I don't know if maybe there's it's that lack of belief that means that we haven't got as much positivity surrounding our position in the table as other clubs might have. That's an interesting point, actually, because Liverpool fans over the past 30-odd years haven't been used to having a team ready to go for the title from the from the get-go. All our challenges and whatnot in recent years have come as a surprise. Like, you think 13-14, in December, nobody was even talking about us winning the title. And then all of a sudden, at the end of January, people were like, oh, this is interesting. And we went on that amazing run. Even though eight oh nine, nobody really saw it coming. And even though we finished second, we were never going to win that title because of United's record in that season was just ridiculous. But I think Liverpool fans don't like expectation in a weird way. Like new Liverpool fans, I think they like the thought of going on a ride and the momentum just happening. And it's a new experience that they're going to have to get used to. There's there is pressure on Liverpool to win things all of a sudden. It's not hope that they can do something. It's fans, pundits, whoever, people in football expect Liverpool to be doing something this season. And the way everyone's talking about this great Man City side and everyone's praising them, I honestly believe it's because of the slip-ups in Europe with Liverpool that these 
little results have happened, which has planted seeds of doubt into certain people's minds, like PSG, Napoli and Belgrade, and also Chelsea in the League Cup, whereas City have only really had that defeat to Leon. So that's been a blip so far. Yeah, I think what, what the guys said is spot on. It is that, it's that bizarre mix of expectation and, and, and tension. It, you know, it kind of feels like, obviously, the, the, the title race, if it, if it pans out that we stay where we are and we keep the pressure on City and whoever else joins us goes on till, till the end of the season in April, May, you know, that's great. But it always feel, it feels like we're there. We're there now. And, and you know, the, the, the key points are now, if we can stay with City, um, then you know, things, things might turn out better as the season wears on. But to be... To be where we are now compared to last season, we were what 12, 15 points behind City at this at this stage of the season. So I think that's that's where the tension's coming from. And then in terms of expectation, it it, it feels a bit weird. Like I guess the Champions League group stage is panning out maybe a little bit like it was last season, where we stumbled, we stuttered a little bit, and the, the last games are going to be crucial if we're going to get through. But it, that kind of fairy tale quality that that last season had, like probably around this stage, hasn't kind of really clicked into gear yet. It's just like it's a bit more tense, it's a bit more business-like. Um, and, you know, just, just, just I think there's lots of elements to it, like things like Salah, you know, he's, um, he was so good last season, took us all by surprise a bit, how, how well he started. And then, you know, the, what surrounded him, you know, he's been very, very good still, but it's been, you know, oh, is it, is it, was, is it going to be the same as last season? Is he, it's going to hit the same heights? Um, and then you look at City and they're actually outperforming. Oh, they're on, I know it's ridiculous to say it this early in the season, but they keep up what they're on now they get 101 points I think so yeah. they would be better than they were last season which is just remarkable and ridiculous to think that was po- that could even be possible um, so yeah and I think that, that City game as well um, we did really well to get through that tricky run with the results we got but the fact that even though it was a totally different stage of the season that, that we, we kind of gave that performance that laid the marker down by beating them at Anfield in the league and then you know going on to, to top them in the Champions League you know that that it was a massive compliment to Liverpool that they came to, to Anfield and, and played in that manner, and, and it was you know it was a nil nil. But that it just showed us that like we're, we're in the race now, and it's 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 a it's it's going to be a real test from this point onwards. But but like like the guys have said, it's 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 not it's not new for Liverpool as a club, is it? It's probably new for maybe some of us as a, as a generation of fans to see to see this. Like like Philbo said, a lot of a lot of challenges, or if if you can call them that, in recent years have have come arrived a bit late and have been a bit unexpected, but. But the pressure is on now, which we've got to try and live up to. I know leading up to this point, we've done so many other podcasts and quite a lot of the times, the guests, myself, would, would wonder whether Jurgen Klopp's kind of changing tactics this season were, were by accident or design. And, and the further the season goes on, I'm wondering if it is by design because do you think he's, because of this pressure that's within the fan base and, and within the players, because they'll know as well, won't they, this is probably Liverpool's best chance of winning the league in a generation. The fact that, Klopp's almost tried to take that element of risk because he said himself in the past, hasn't he? When Liverpool are great, they are absolutely great. They blow anyone away. But when they play badly, they play badly and lose. And and in this like high stakes title race, no team can seemingly afford to drop silly points anymore. Should you think he's done this on purpose? You know, the fact that we may have to become more middle of the road rather than that kind of exciting football that we all see in the second half last season. That's what most title win teams are really, apart from City. Last year, the first half of the season, most title-winning teams just go about the business. And then in the second half of the season, when they've got the points on the board and they're well ahead of whoever, then they start battering teams. Hmm. And I think that's what Liverpool will end up doing. I'm not saying we're going to win the title at all, but I think in the second half of the season, once we've got through the winter period and whatnot, which is a lot of games... 
you'll see the real Liverpool come back in terms of scoring three, four goals every every week. And but with a solid element that wasn't there last season. I think that hot take, but I feel like people that don't want to sit through watching Liverpool play boring football, if you can call it that, don't deserve to get us watch us have the big wins. Like if you can't sit through us playing the kind of good and necessary football that you need to play to win. The Premier League, then, like, then you don't get to have the fun bits, and you don't get to have the nights out after like a massive win or after a big victory. And I think that I've heard over and over and over again this season fans saying, um, "Oh, we're playing in second gear. Why are we in second gear here?" But the thing is, you don't need to be in fifth against Cardiff. Like, we like we're going to win that match. We're going to uh, Fulham's a different one, I suppose, but we don't need to be. If you want to get to the end of this season and actually be able to pose a challenge to City, you can't be playing in fifth gear in every single match and in the matches that we're just going to win because we are. A better team I don't I just think that it's necessary football it might not be as exciting to watch it might be kind of as inspiring but it's necessary if we want to win the yeah. one game you go back to and I think everybody goes back to is the 13-14 Palace 3-3 no matter what the most important thing is the three points how, much, how many goals you, you score really doesn't matter that much yeah. because yeah. the chances of you losing the title on goal difference is very slim yeah. and when we went 3-0 up at Palace I was in the away end that night and I honestly believed that we were going to go and score nine goals or whatever it was that we needed to match City's um, goal difference. But we ended up with one point instead of three. Who knows what would have happened on that final day because City would have needed to win and not instead of not losing the game. And pressure does strange things. So no matter what, just get the three points no matter how it's done. And what Amelia's just said there about enjoying the the t- tough wins, I honestly think the the best feeling coming out of the ground this season so far has been Huddersfield away. That 1-0 yeah. win. Yeah. And it was it felt a, huge. It was a brilliant trip back. It was only like an hour and a bit. But I had such a laugh, all the lads on the coaches and on the coaching that were like really happy and he had a good swig after it, so it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well, like that, that's spot on and if you compare us as a squad to City and also like the fixture list like the, the start we've had to have, have and the City have had I, I don't know maybe this is just a bit ridiculous this Liverpool fan speaking but it's felt like they played like a lower like rung team at home virtually every week like ever since the start of the season I know they've been obviously they come to Anfield the uh, was their opening day was that away to Arsenal they have, they have had some tough fixtures but like they've had more of the type of games where you know, it goes two, it goes three, and then, you know, fair play, they're, they're a brilliant team, they've got great depth, and then they, 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 get, they get those late goals and they made a, a cracking habit of that. But I think, you know, we've had we've had a tougher start. I, don't, I think a neutral would say that as well. Um, you know, we had quite a lot on our plate with that that Chelsea game, the League Cup, the, the Champions League group's been been tough, maybe partly through, uh, you know, our, our own doing, but, you know, they are tough games. So, like, like Phil said before, I think th- those, those goals will come. And even as it is, we've got, what, is it 23, 24 goals in 12 games in the league? It's not, it's not a bad return so far. And I think this is also, in terms of the squad point, we're attempting to bed in more new players than, than City are. I mean, they've only got Mares really, haven't they? You, know, you, could, you could say Mendy's a new player and they've bedded him in brilliantly. Um, but, but yeah, I think it will, will, will kind of, you'd like to think, with, with, the, with the fixtures easing a little bit, although they do pile up a bit now, and you know, most of the signings, certainly Shaqiri looking like they're, they're, they're fit and raring to go and, they're, and, they, and they've settled that we will start to uh, you know, put a few past teams a bit more. You're right, Sean, there they are. Liverpool who are averaging two goals a game in the Premier League, which is, you know, all, you know that, that is title-winning form, isn't it? If you get 76, 80 goals... You, Especially with it, the goals we're conceding, yeah, the yeah, lack yeah, of yeah, goals. The, the goal difference. But 
I suppose, in a way, one of the reasons why people say, oh, why aren't they getting out of second gear? Because probably, apart from West Ham on the opening game of the season and, and Cardiff, but that was la- later on in the game, wasn't it? There hasn't been like a team who's been blown yeah. out the water mm-hmm. in the league yet. Uh, and just want to come on to something that, Paul, you, you've got an interesting theory about. It's probably one of the, the big reasons why Liverpool haven't yet, you know, really, you know, took someone to the cleaners. Is, is the form or the position of Roberto Firmino? Well, yeah, that's it. It seems as if Firmino this season is playing as... I wouldn't say it's a number 10, but he's playing behind Salah. Salah's went central and it's as if Klopp's thought he's our best goal scorer. Last him in the middle, he's going to score more goals. And it's sort of working. Like he's back to like he's scoring again. But with that, I feel like we're losing so many goals from Firmino because he's so deep, he's not getting into the box. And last season, I was talking to you about it the other day, all but one of his goals was from inside the box last season and he's just not there now and there's been games where Firmino would like Fulham the other day if Firmino was up top he'll score in that game because he'll just find himself in the right position and with that he also frees up space for Salah and Mane who probably would have Salah probably would have ended up with another goal Mane maybe as well and I feel like it's stopping the counter attack of Liverpool that was amazing last season because even though Salah's working hard, he does not put the shift in Firmino does. So when the opposition centre-half's got the ball, he can walk five, ten yards with it, meaning that we're deeper. And it's it's not bringing pressure on, but the space between the defence and the, the attack is too little that we're not able to quickly get away in when we win the ball back, and it's kind of slow progression. And with the likes of Salah and Mane... Up, up higher in the pitch which we're not using them to the best of, of their abilities either really yeah the, the, the stats back it up I just want to say that like I think it's one in his last 11 and actually since Oxlade Chamberlain got the injury in the uh, the first leg against Rome it's actually four in 22 so it's not like uh, he's suddenly gone off the boil it's, it's, it's obviously something's changed in his game mm. problem is where do you play him at the moment you know can you put him back up front because who would you leave out? Was that Shakiri? Because at the moment he's probably you know he's one of the standout players. I yeah. think the thing with Firmino is uh, he's it's not necessarily that he's learning a new role, but like he's like Philbo said, is what would you call him now? Would you call him a number ten? Like playing that formation where we we've got Salah up top, Manny left, and finding a way of getting Shakiri in the team and putting him on the right. I guess he is he is more a midfielder than, than an, an attacker, and it's that. Being a Liverpool midfielder is, is just so much demanded of you, even in that slightly shifted formation. Every every kind of natural instinct he must have had as, as that number nine and leading the press and the you know the positions he's got to be in, the ones he's got to take up, how he interacts with uh, with Mane and Salah in that formation is he's got to think slightly differently. So I think you know he he, he has got the hardest job in terms of how how he's had to adapt. But also I think he had he had a good a reasonable start to the season. Um, you know, some important goals in those early away games. Obviously, his cameo against PSG off the bench. I think we'll, we'll obviously see him uh, back to where we, we're used to seeing him again as the season as season goes on. Um, you know, and I think this, this, there's a lot more to it with him as well. Like he's, there was a stat doing around on on Twitter this week that he's he's the player who's played most under Klopp. Um, you know, he's like I can't remember how many like seventy percent plus of the of the minutes or games that uh, that the Klopp's been in charge for, which, which will come as no surprise. But you know that that must take its toll. Like the, the, all these international breaks, that seem to be every other week at the minute. He's he's obviously I think he's played quite a lot and he's he's, he's gone quite far as well. I think where did Brazil go? Like he went to the USA, maybe Saudi Arabia. You know, mm. a few mad trips and, he, and he's played those games. Um, I, I, yeah, and I guess that this is this is the the type of 
around this time last season where we started doing a little bit of rotation. So maybe it's time to give him a little bit of a rest. But I think he's done, I think he's done reasonably well to cope with the demands of having to play those two positions. And he's been the one, not quite the fall guy, but the, the, the kind of switching we've done between 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1. It's him who's had to do the most work to adapt, I'd say. It's not as if he's playing bad. He's, the levels are still there, but he's more influential further up the field. It's as simple as that. And mm. once he's back up there, and I honestly think Shakiri's playing well, but I think he's a massive problem for Liverpool because at the minute, there's nobody, you need somebody in the midfield three that's got a bit of creativity and will take get the ball, look up and run with it. Whereas we haven't really got that at the minute. So we really need Navigator to be up up firing as soon as possible. And then, then you'll see the best of Firmino again because Kaita can be that Oxlade-Chamberlain-like person, mm. uh, player. He'll get the ball drive and the options are there in front of him. Whereas Shakiri, the other day I was watching him and he played well. But honestly, I don't think he's got a position on the pitch. He just He's just floating. And in like wherever the space he is, and it's great to have that, especially at home against sides that aren't really going to come to Anfield and attack. But his performances are great, but he's causing Liverpool a problem long term because we need Cater to start playing and playing well to get the best of the front three again. I don't think it's just Firmino, though. I think that, as in, I, I, I totally accept your point about him and where he is and where he'd be best placed. I think that there's a number of positions or a number of players where we had such a strong sign-in window that it kind of, like, even after the World Cup and, like, kind of players taking a while to come back, you were thinking, who gets a game and kind of where do they fit into this new Liverpool? And I think that there were so many strong sign-ins and so many sign-ins that kind of, they did have to alter where people are placed and kind of what role they fit on the pitch that I think that it's not just there but I guess maybe it's kind of more pronounced there than it is anywhere else that there's a couple of players where you think where does he fit now or kind of what's his role now that this person's here and I think that you are right I think um, it's not that we're settling into having those new signings because like it's been long enough now but yeah it's a kind of a case of working out who works best where with new players Shakiri, do you think apart from his good performances on the pitch, the fact the fact that he just looks unburdened by it all, doesn't he? You know, he looks like he's really enjoying it. And as we were talking about at the top of the podcast, that there is pressure this season. There's no question about it. And maybe Keita and Fabinho are feeling it a bit more. But Shakiri just looks like he's he's out there having a laugh, isn't he? Playing carefree. Is that is that what's so good about him at the moment? I reckon that um, Red Star felt like an important moment for him in the same way that I can't remember what game it was but there was one for the Ox last year where you just thought right this lad is here and he is going to be in the starting 11 and he wants to be at Liverpool he loves being here and like it means the world rooms we play in for us and I think you saw that as well when he crashed out of the Champions League how devastating he is to not be able to play for us given how short an amount of time he'd been at the side and I think the Red Star felt like that for Kira that you thought right he's here and he is going to be starting and he kind of it felt like he'd secured his place as like being a crucial member of the squad. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I think like Klopp's kind of handled him pretty well so far because I, I don't think he's really had he's really had a bad game. He's start was a started three, come off the bench in four or five in the league, and he's and he's delivered in virtually every game in in in, in some way, be it a goal or an assist. Um, and I think the fact that he's probably well, he's kind of almost said to himself, hasn't he? He's, he's slightly frustrated at the the you felt he could have been playing more. But now, now the international breaks are over, the fixtures really pile up, it's two games a week and, and he just looks so so ready to come into yeah. the team. Um, I think we'll see, we'll arguably see even, even more from him. But I guess his challenge then is to 
is to do it consistently, do it every time he starts, um, and then you know pr- prove that he could try and take a place off one of the front three, maybe, which at the minute he looks capable of doing. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Our next two home games in the league are going to be key to where Shakiri stands in the in the pecking order because it's Everton and Man United at home. Both our next two league games at Anfield. Most of that game is going to be in the midfield, and Shakiri isn't. Even though he's technically great, he's not somebody who's going to be involved in a battle in midfield where you need three midfielders who can put in a tackle and will work back and will keep stick to the positions where the Shakiri has just kind of floated and he's forward thinking. He needs to he needs to have uh, both elements. So those games against Everton and Man United will be telling on where he stands in the Liverpool pecking order, I think. Yeah. So, so what we're saying is you, you don't see him long term as like the number 10. You know, this kind of like, not a problem position, but it's positions that's not been filled at the moment since Oxlade-Chamberlain's injury. But you just don't think Shakiri's got that discipline to play there. It's, it's a tricky one. I mean, he could, he could have, but then I guess probably what, the one time or the main time we've seen him from the start doing that would be against Southampton, was it? Where it was great, and it was, but it was just a bit wild. Like, even though it was a team where, you know, I guess you, given how, how they've been in the struggle this season and um, going into that game, obviously they've had those massive favourites for it. You, you, we could take that risk of, of playing, being a bit more loose and just seeing what it's like. But even though we were, what was it, 3-0 at half-time, but you could kind of understand why Klopp felt this is a little bit too much for me. You know, it's not, um, we didn't have the kind of like tight control on the game. Um, so yeah, like Phil Bush said, those, those team selections are going to be really interesting in, in the coming games, you know, if he, if he gets a start on it. What Sean just said there, it's great, but it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what watching Liverpool was like before Van Dijk yeah. in, so, and when Coutinho was here. So, and even though, as he said, it was great, but wild, you don't really want that. It's a bit too mad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but you know it's it's partly like of you know going back to the whole thing of is it is it Klopp deliberately changing it or not? I think that there certainly is an element of that, the intensity, the press is as kind of he's wound that in a little bit, maybe just thinking long term reasons for the season. But I think like because the defense has been so good, like Paul just mentioned, Van Dijk, um, since he's come in, obviously we've talked before the stats are ridiculous, but like we get we get less opportunities for those for those crazy moments because we don't we don't give other teams the the opportunity to come at us as much. So you know it. A lot, a lot of the things we've already talked about, like where Firmino is and things like that, it's we are having to adapt to being a team who's, who's seeing more of the ball and, and building up from the back, like even more than we were doing at, at times at the end of last season. Which is, you know, it's, it's all it's all difficult, but to be doing that and to be where we are, it's, it's still very, very impressive. Yeah, so let's let's put it into context. As you say, second, two points behind Man City, but it, it's quite a good position to be in to be having a debate like this about little yeah. things that can be tweaked, isn't it? Yeah. Or improvements still to come. Yeah. At the end of the day, apart from City, the other eighteen clubs in the Premier League would love to be second in the table, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah. No, definitely. Totally. Yeah. Just before we move on, Shakiri obviously he's looking potentially like maybe the signing of the summer, probably bar from Allison, I imagine. Yeah. Is there anyone else in the recent past or maybe longer back, if you've got further memories like myself, of any player who's come in in the summer, not had that much hype or hysteria about him and he's, he's gone on to be a bit of a favourite? I'm going to throw a mad one out here. Mascherano. <laughs> yeah, that's because true. Because, yeah. We signed him from West Ham. He wasn't getting a game at West Ham and everyone was like, who's this Argentinian kid we've signed? <laughs> and he was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> he probably one of the best Liverpool midfielders I've watched. And then... 
he's he's the standout one for me. But uh, there's a few more that I've just got here. Um, Oxley Chamberlain, obviously. Um, Sadio Mane. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I remember the summer we signed him. The day it was, I we put a bid in. Twitter was in a meltdown. Like so, <laughs> there's just a, a couple of examples. Wijnaldum again, um, Arbeloa, and Yossi Benayoun. Yeah, and the, yeah, the, a good one. The similarities between Benayoun and Shakiri, not the same type of player, but feels like they're going to have the same kind of role in a season where. It looks like we will go close, maybe go all the way. And you wouldn't be surprised come February, March, April, the Chikiri scored in the last minute winner, like <laughs> Ben Ayun did against Fulham in 09, kind of wild celebrations in the way in somewhere. I think that's that's a pretty solid list. I, can't really think. I guess there's quite a few in the squad who maybe not as quickly as, say, a Benayoun or a Mascherano, you know, within the season or so that they'd signed, but already kind of like cult heroes. But I'd, I'd even throw in people like Lovren and Lallana in terms of, yeah. we paid a lot for them. You know, whilst they might have been proven in the Premier League, you've got kind of thought, are they going to make this step up? I guess they're probably a little bit more slow burner. You can maybe even say that Paul Genie was on that list as well. Yeah. Um, but over, you know, and with the ways fees have kind of escalated even more since we paid 15, 20, 25 for, for all those lads, um, you know, they have more than justified their... Mm what we paid for them and like whilst you couldn't say they're like you know heroes of the squad in any way like they're all really significant players for us Ragnar Klavan as well <laughs> just for Burnley <laughs> Alisson's the most important one of the window just gone undoubtedly I think because it's that security and obviously like you know he's let goals in I think that we all had a brief moment where we thought he's not going to let a single goal in the entire <laughs> season and it'll be incredible it didn't happen and we all go over it but um I think he's the most important in terms of having him on the pitch consistently consistently makes me feel safe yeah. that like I don't have that all-consuming fear that I had last season that when something kind of got towards us <laughs> you'd be like oh I've got no idea what's gonna happen I know that I'd say nine times out of ten and that's definitely not an official stat. He's gonna, he will just sort it out. And he's a big, strong man that makes me feel safe. Um, I, I'm, I'm very open about the fact that my, um, my Liverpool memory is a lot shorter than most people's because I'm new to this. Um, but I guess, well, there was enough hype around him. But my favourite um, moment at the start of the season, I think it was the first home game at Anfield. The lad that six, ne- sits next to me said, um, tell you what this number eight's good who is he had no idea how can you miss out on that there was so much chat about it he, so for him I think Ali Kaito was probably the uh, the kind of there was no fuss and then he came from nowhere and it was amazing because he didn't know who he was but um, no I'm just saying Alisson's important definitely so going well in the Premier League without question Champions League a little bit more work to do after that defeat to Red Star uh, we'll probably record our next view from the Cup podcast after the Paris Saint-Germain game so Paul you'll be in Paris mm-hmm. for that what are your thoughts? Do you think it'll be going to the last game? Or I think it's forgotten. Everyone said, like, whatever happens, Liverpool beat Napoli by two clear goals on the last game of the uh, the group stage in the flu. Beat Paris Saint-Germain and Liverpool are through. It's mm. mad because I think we had this um, conversation, not the last one, podcast, but the one before it, that even though it felt worse, we were in the best position in the Champions League this season than we were last season but that's like kind of turned around but still we're going into the fifth game knowing that we can qualify that night and if not it's on the sixth game which I think no matter your group you kind of take you'd always take that wouldn't you yeah. uh, in the Champions League but if we go to Paris and win it's, it's done and you, 
I know it's nice to win the group, but you're not really bothered if you win the group yeah. or not, considering the the quality of sides and the way Liverpool play over two le- two legs. You'd fancy us, and whoever wins the groups would not want to face us if we were runners up. Yeah, it'd be quite nice to go into that Napoli game knowing the all's we're playing for is if we finish first or second. Mm-hmm. And looking at how Napoli played in Paris, you wouldn't rule us out to mm-hmm. go over and beat PSG because. Also, they don't play competitive games. They just don't. The path to, <laughs> they, are, they are all friendly. Like, they played Monaco the other weekend and absolutely battered yeah. them. And you'd like a team who are at their level can catch them out because mm. they're not used to playing teams who were that good. And we could surprise them over there. I think it's important as well to remember that when that draw was made, I think every single person I spoke to said, I can't imagine a way that that went worse for us. Like when we saw that group, you would think, I I think we always hoped and thought that we'd be okay and would come out of it. But I think we always thought it was going to be difficult and that like it wasn't going to be an absolute walk in the park to get through it. Wouldn't it would be nice, but yeah, it's far from inconceivable that we get through and we're sound. Mm, Yeah, I I agree with both the guys. I, I think as well, I just hope we kind of see the game as a bit of a free hit because that is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, there's, there's still a very good chance to beat, albeit a very good team at home and go through. So, yeah, to just it, it'd be great if we could. Well, what did Napoli score the couple there? Did they when, yeah, when they two, went? Two, and, two, and we've already beaten them, you know, yeah. at home. It's it's there's there's nothing that in the dressing room that should be said that should be negative going into that game. We can go and, and, and give it a go and maybe you know see a little bit of the Liverpool of of last season in terms of the Champions League and in in, in how we approach it. Um, so yeah, it's it's. it's Every reason to be confident. Worst case scenario, we'll go to Baku and have a great time as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably what you're hoping for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All serious for this though, how important is the Champions League this season? Last year, <clears throat> obviously, it's the ultimate. It's got such a, a close relationship with the club, the European Cup, but is it almost secondary to the Premier League this season? I'd say so, <sighs> given where we are at the minute. And, and I just think like City last season, I keep going on about this, how, how ridiculous they were, but the fact that, the fact that they got 100 points in and of itself, unbelievable. But like to get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League as well as that, it, you know, you just you, you don't really see. Um, I'm sure there's some great examples that prove me wrong here. But like teams that teams that do the double in terms of the Champions League and the league, fair play to them. It's just it's so so hard nowadays. So, and and you look at our recent title challenges, if you like, or 13, 14. You know, not having the distraction of your European football, if you want to call it that, is is huge. Um, so as much as I'd like to see Philbo in, in back here, I think like, <laughs> personally at this stage now, I'd I'd prefer to, especially given what the league is like, to go through or or to not be in Europe at all, just <clears> just for the sake of you know we're, we're in such a good position in the league and let it would maximise it. Just before we finish, Premier League uh, news at the moment, isn't it, with the chief executive or the outgoing chief executive Richard Scudamore? Uh, there's reports that. All 20 clubs have been asked to pay £250,000 each uh, for his leaving gift. What a leaving gift that would be for him, for an already rich man. As we're recording this podcast, we don't know if there's going to be any more developments, whether there's going to be a statement from the Premier League or the clubs concerned. First and foremost, we're all football fans here. And like we know where the area we live and work. Surely Liverpool and Everton, for that matter, can't be, can't be agreeing to something like this. It's like it's an outrageous version of um, when someone leaves the echo and we have a whip round to get them like <laughs> a box of chocolates and a bottle of wine and you like chuck in a five and you're like, oh, they were sound while they weren't, yeah, fair play. But like, no, you're absolutely right. And I think it's, it's not so much the payment itself, it's the payment in the context of the cost of football and the affordability of football for people that 
live in this area and I, th- I know it's something that like we've written about and covered at length but Liverpool currently has the least affordable season ticket in the Premier League in terms of when you compare wages to the actual cost of the cheapest season ticket and I just think if you think of spending £250,000 which wouldn't address the problem but it would be like it would go some way towards doing it of access to football affordability grassroots just bits that you could do and ways of kind of opening the game up to people that actually live in the city I just don't understand how you justify spending £250,000 on a leaving gift that's spot on that and like bringing Everton into it as well half a million pound between two clubs what that could do for the surrounding areas around the ground for one grassroots football and even the match going fan like I said to you before that Today I've just paid seventy pound for my PSG ticket. If the club knocked twenty five pound off that yeah. for everything one, that's only fifty thousand pounds. Mm. Like, surely fans would appreciate that more than some fella who's rich already getting two hundred and fifty thousand pound off mm. you. But that's just like from a small pool. But half a million pound, as I say, then between two football clubs, there could be put somewhere locally it's a lot of money it'd be it'd be great to see both clubs come out and go know what the the other 18 Premier League clubs can do whatever they want with £250,000 but we're not going to do that we're going to put it here instead and if the two clubs come together and decided to do something that'll be great for them and great for the people of the city and it'll show that a lot of people say football clubs and footballers are out of touch with reality and like the cities that they live in, that would show that they're not. Yeah, and I think it's a great point, isn't it? Because there has been a lot of solidarity over the more important issues than football lately. Obviously, being a major one, being with all the great work done by the food banks, and yeah, what a statement that would be if mm. Everton and Liverpool came out together a couple of weeks before the derby mm. and said, you know, no, this isn't for us at all. Yeah, it'd be brilliant. I think like I'd be stunned if this if it does go ahead. Um, this this payment, to be honest, and, and maybe yeah. the upshot of it is that it get it gets turned on its head, and then there is some kind of renewed kind of campaign and vigour towards putting more into grassroots and, you know, all, all the many, many causes that people suggested the money could go to to instead. So fingers crossed that's how it pans out. If it did go through, and I'm only speculating here, and, and I, I'm with you, Sean, I just don't think it will. I just, I think the PR from it would be yeah. just yeah. absolutely, it's already seen it. I know Spirit of Shankly have been very vocal on this yeah. and you, you only have to look at Twitter. Football uh, fans of all Premier League clubs are up in arms about it. But it'd be almost like the final straw, wouldn't it? You know, we, we've been there before in the past with ticket prices and we see what, we had the Spine Cop lads in, didn't we? Quite we recently did, yeah. talking about the Sunderland game a few years ago. it almost feel like something like that would have to happen again, wouldn't it? You know, a time when particularly around there, people are struggling and then you talk about grassroots there my lad plays football now and we've been at pitches in Heighton and Prescott and you speak to the coaches there and they're struggling to make ends meet you know to, to hire out these pitches or if to go to a 4G pitch and they're extortionate now to pay yeah it just feels out of kilter wouldn't it with, with everything that's with everything that's going on at the moment I don't know exactly the numbers behind how many grassroots clubs there are but like when I was a kid and playing football Subs was about one pound fifty, two quid. It's probably over the five now. Yeah, we pay twenty eight quid, include matches, and then another team sixteen quid. So I'm forking out like forty five quid a month. It, that's a, that's a lot of money. Imagine even if Everton Liverpool decided to split that half a million pound between each grassroots club and just mm. say, do what we want with that, give it, use it for referee fees, anything. It just makes a lot more sense than giving it to some man who non, no football fan has any kind of 
yeah. relationship with he's just a man in a suit and the thing is it's not like we're naive like we said before we started recording that it's not uncommon in industries like that at the level that he's working at and the kind of the monies that are involved in what he's done in his time in that role a five million pound golden handshake although it's an astronomical amount of money it's not something that's unheard of in kind of at that level but the point is that it's happening in a context where Tory austerity and policies are crippling communities in Anfield and Everton and to spend that amount of money albeit £250,000 from each club to spend that amount of money is an insult I think um, and you know whether they have to do it or they have to go along with it who knows but yeah, it would be a really strong statement to not and also people high up want to think that it's a business but football's not a business yeah. simple yeah and on that point, I think it's a very good chance to end, isn't it? We can only hope that common sense will prevail uh, by the time this podcast comes out, or if not by the time this podcast comes out on Thursday afternoon, certainly in the days coming. Uh, just like to thank Paul, Sean and Amelia. First Cheers. time on the show. Hope you enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.